Welcome to Post Block Talk. My name is Ed. And I'm Oz. And we're coming to you live from Dimension Prime. At least that's what we're going to refer to our dimension as. It's not better or worse than any other dimensions, but it's just our original one. So far as we know. Well, yeah, but it does have us in it, so we got that going for us. So far as we know. Well, as far as I'm going to defend this point, it's Dimension Prime because it's the first dimension that we've ever been in. So far as we... Alright, just because multiple dimensions have been discovered doesn't mean you get to be an asshole. Fine. Sorry. A word of warning for our listeners this time. This episode is fairly complex and technical. We'd advise anyone without the ability to read to turn off the broadcast now and pick up a fucking book. Bunch of savages. Today, we're in the laboratory office of... Dr... Johan Kralken. Kralken. That's it. Geno Fefer, Dr. Johan was my father. It's a pleasure to have you boys here. Dr. Kraken is part of a team of scientists situated at one of the only surviving pre-POC scientific organizations, INCERN. Before the event, it's been surmised that CERN was a deep ops organization that worked on fringe scientific objectives and is theorized, based on the literature, that they have created the large machine known as the Large Hadron Collider. The Institute has functioned basically the same as before the event. Unfortunately, due to the rise of the global AI net, most files stored for either corrupted or destroyed as it instituted its memory functions for survival. Careful what you say about gain. (laughs) Ed has the hearts for that CPU. Apologies, you're in touch with a sentient computer net controlling much of the eastern seaboard? I have many questions. Oh, he is more than in touch. She controls a vast amount of the resources and knowledge. There's a lot we could give for that information. In all honesty, I'd let her keep whatever it is that you want. The last time I walked into a room I wasn't supposed to be in, there was a lizard creature perpetually vomiting. She's not really discriminatory about what constitutes knowledge. Plus, she's really into the Northeast for some reason, and that's just too cold for me. So will, how you say, put a needle in that? Sure. So, uh, Dr. Krauken, why did you contact Oz and I? I and my family have survived here in the underground main campus and surrounding buildings for years after the event. Here, a university started. My father was one of the founding members of the new CERN, and his life work is the machine. What we did not mention is that behind the windows of Dr. Kraken's office is a large laboratory holding two enormous metal spheres. Each is connected by a metal chute to the sides of the walls and are hooked up to enormous machines and cables. It's all enormous. These are termed for Large Hadron Crow Particle Receiver and Emitter, but we refer to them affectionately as the Crow Portals. So, Dr. Crocker, besides what you're going to show us, what else have you done down here? Well, we have crafted the most advanced weaponry available. Algae plants for the production of food byproduct, alcohol... Whoa, 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 whoa. you guys have science booze? Ed, the interview. Uh... Right, yeah, um, uh, what else have you got? Development of our soldier program. After the university was established, we found a direct need to defend ourselves. Meet Michael. Yellow. Jesus Christ. What did you feed this guy? Meat. This is Europe. There hasn't been a cow or a chicken in year. Oz! Uh, 
Dr. Crockett, I'm gonna pretend that you mentioned synthetic meat on the list of your accomplishments. That might be wise, Mr. Ed. We gotta get out of here, man. But like, journalism, we, we gotta do the thing. Dude, they got giant man babies eating some kind of meat. I, okay, they didn't take our weapons. Uh, look, we'll be fine. We just, just keep following her. She's a scientist. Scientists never do anything bad. Ugh, alright. Uh, Dr. Kramer, so this new discovery... It would take a while to explain, and it's very technical. And thus began our five-hour crash course in crowd particle interactions by Dr. Krauken and her team. I still don't really get it, but here's the gist. Oh, wait, we never mentioned how we got to Europe! You're right! Or even what Europe is! So get this! Across the Atlantic Ocean, the big cold thing filled with water to the east of us, uh, there's another big island! Yeah, and, uh, that's about it. Yeah. Oh, right, so a couple of weeks ago we were contacted by a representative of INCERN, Dr. Kraken's organization. In the message, they indicated that they had some news of vast importance for us, and that our presence was requested at the Institute on the European Continent. Immediately, we shot the radio, jumped in the car, and hightailed it to the furthest thing from the European continent. California. We were trying to get as far away from crazy scientists that wanted to do crazy tests on our brain. From there, I was suggesting that we try to get on some sort of boat and just keep going in that direction. However, Oz neglected to mention that the world is round. Look, it was still further, but apparently if you run away from a continent far enough, you start getting close to the continent again. It's it's like we're on a circle or something. And we were sent another message when we were within range. We thought about answering and eventually we figured, what the hell? After we verified that this was not those fucking mutants messing with us again, we were greeted with a jet airplane on a secured airspace on the coast of San Francisco. If it was a setup... It was a pretty swanky setup. In all honesty, setups are pretty easy to spot. Whatever trap they set for you, it has to be cheaper than the value of what they want. Which should have been our first clue. When a fancy shiny jet touches down and offers to take us halfway around the world, I mean, what could be worth more than that? I don't know nothing worth more than that. I mean, hell, we bought the car for a steal off those cannibals. Oh no, we, we, we stole that. You told me we were still making payments. Moral payments. Moral payments. So I parked the old car, walked up, and we were greeted by Jeremy. Jeremy! Oh yeah, whatever happened to him, Dr. Kraken? Oh yeah, he is, uh, how you say, works in the kitchen? Oh, oh man. I like that guy. Well... After we signed various non-disclosure forms stating that we wouldn't broadcast anything until we'd seen everything that, you know, they wanted us to see and were told what we couldn't talk about, uh, we boarded the jet and journeyed to Incern's headquarters and were met with Dr. Kraken. This is when we were informed of several key things and began our only formal schooling. What follows is as close to a layman's interpretation of crowd particles that we can summarize for you. A crowd particle is a physical event that occurs completely spontaneously in a total vacuum. Uh, in the past, Dr. Krauken explains, A vacuum is a space in which there is nothing. No air, dust, particles, but these vacuums are uh, lazy 
Although we are able to remove all things from this space, you can't remove the effects, electromagnetic waves or radiation. Think of a normal vacuum, like a pool of water. When you throw stones into the pool, they make waves that can ripple outwards. In a normal vacuum, you can remove stones, so it's just the pool. But the pool isn't totally still. It has little bits of movement. Uh, from gravity, the wind, remaining waves from what you threw in, it moves. So it is correct. Crow particles happen when you take out the water too. Nothing left, nothing but empty space. No waves, no radiation, nothing. A perfect vacuum. So where do these particles come from if there's nothing there? Patience. When NCERN was founded, we were based on a structure of what was known as the Large Hadron Collider, an enormous weapon, super weapon, composed of a circle, miles wide, created to accelerate single particles at massive rates. After the event, or possibly during, the Collider accidentally produced what Kramer and her team call the Event Particle. The event particle spins within the circle of the collider, and it's through interaction with it that we can create crow particles. The event particle is a super dense particle that absorbs all energy and light. But for reasons Krauken and her team cannot understand, the particle travels freely, with no signs of stopping, around the collider at about one orbit per second. It's like a black hole, but more easy to manipulate. Inside this tube is a perfect vacuum formed by the event particle. Once they discovered the tube and fought the urge to release it at the French for fear of destroying the Earth itself, Kraken and her team started to notice things appearing on readings. Little waves would appear on readings occasionally. The tube is completely empty. Completely empty. More than anything on the planet. But we were getting spikes of electromagnetism and radiation. Occasionally, whole atoms or molecules would pop into existence before going away. It was completely baffling to Krauken, until she and her team were able to extract a sample in between the orbits of the event particle, and what they found was startling. Most of them were completely otherworldly atoms with strange properties, strange things, nothing consistent with the laws of our universe. Waves that move backwards through time, dense rock made of nitrogen, solid at room temperature, oxygen, not combustible at room temperature, things beyond our own universe. These intruders are called Krau particles, and, until recently, were only theorized to have come from other universes. We thought perhaps the size of a perfect vacuum just around the particle was somehow breaking quantum bonds of our atoms and allowing them to break off into other dimensions where they were replaced by particles in similar situations from that dimension, a give and take of matter. They were switching universes with anything that entered their perfect vacuum. We built a large enclosed space that could be shifted into the past of the event particle. That is when it got exciting. Dr. Cockerell and her team discovered that the size of the received material was equal to the mass injected into their space. In other words, if you sent 10 grams, you got 10 grams of foreign material back. 
Tomas couldn't control his curiosity one night. He threw a half-eaten sandwich, 550 grams, into the machine and pushed it into the perfect vacuum, then pulled it back out. Inside was almost the same sandwich. Only with pickles instead of tomatoes. The sandwich was virtually identical, and Dr. Kramer informs us... It tasted fantastic. Thomas apparently makes fantastic sandwiches in any universe. It took months of deliberation before anything else was sent through. But when they did, they pieced together a couple of tests. Letters were sent and received, most of them containing physical constants of the universe in mathematical terms, prime number sets, the value of something called pi, samples of decoding phrases in various languages, how fast things fall on Earth. Yeah, apparently these science guys know that. What they received back was astonishing. In most cases, they received identical copies of these letters, but some had significant deviations. The most common deviations were the orders of the languages and the languages themselves. In almost all sets, binary, once with zeros, was constant. Okay, great. And most of them were cosmetic differences. French was missing in one universe, which was a great joy to all of us here. But several letters had some major changes. Sometimes we would receive papers that were weird, different, made from different materials than what we used here. Thin stone sheets of paper, plastic or viscous solutions that made letters when placed on a desk. All of these had general changes in the information, gravitational constants, radiation effects, the speed of light. All of them were just a little weird. Gravity being a meter slower per second radiation dispersing at different rates, operating differently, sound traveling faster than light. We assumed they were civilians making wrong calculations. Occasionally, however, other things would come through. To necessitate a crowd transfer, you need a receiving and sending site. The universe sending two hours and must also have a similar vacuum and material. In most cases, this was a universe like ours that had created a Krau portal, another Dr. Krauken, another Thomas. But sometimes things like rocks or gases would come. I theorized that these came from naturally occurring Krau portals in other universes. But most information has been received from the other Enserns. Other Enserns? You mean, you're getting research data from other versions of... Me. And Thomas. It was at this point we asked the same paranoid question they had asked themselves. What if one of the Enserns figures all of this out and is openly hostile to you and to our world? <laughs> we screen all these things using our own portal. The machine is a sphere made of best material we can create here. Titanium spheres in layers with vacuums present with each one until it is cut open and its contents verified by the board sensors, it doesn't leave those fears. It's safe as we can make it. But the other intern could know that. Not to mention anything weird that happens to come over from a dangerous universe. I will admit the possibility of hostile Ensign is there, and that antimatter things could cross over and cause a chain reaction that could destroy it all. But frankly, 
We are too curious to care. And after all this, we finally asked Dr. Krauken why we were brought here. Ah, this is the real treat, my friends. Fudge. On a piece of old surveillance footage of the event, we saw several researchers load a large amount of detritus and notes about our universe into the machine. We sent 200 kilos, almost exactly. Our scales are very accurate. The junk loads in, and in a second, it's back out into the lab. And the researchers around the machine look around, and I think they start panicking. After a day or two, we opened the machine. There's people surrounding the capsule as it opened. Several soldiers wearing hazmat suits have enormous rifles trained on the opening. And... The entire lab is locked down. So the door to the capsule opens slowly, and, and two humanoids in, in dark black suits emerge from the darkness. They, they have their hands raised up as they exit, and the soldiers start yelling orders at them. Uh, they, the two figures say something. One soldier advances, and he reaches his hand up to the figure's masks, and he opens a clasp. Uh, and he allows the mask to fall on the f floor? It's you two. On the surveillance video is your handsome co-host Oz. And, and your dashing co-host Ed. Two weeks ago, analogs of you two arrived from what we were now calling Universe 1. They wanted us to call it Universe A, but they conceded that 1 was just as cool. The universe our doubles arrived from was virtually identical to ours, but with a few differences. The tapes of their show they pushed on us showed us their universe's political figures and circumstances of the event and pre-event history are altered just slightly, as well as their universe operates on a time scale about two weeks into the future of our own. Our doubles described that they were hired by their NCERN to traverse several dimensions in their own Krau portals, uh, in, in their universe called Tao Portals, and operated by a Chinese-based company that survived the event. They explained some things that we had been working to understand but had no proof of until now. Krau Portals find the most similar Krau Portal on another universe to link to. Most times, a portal exists that's virtually identical, but occasionally, if a natural portal is more similar to the artificial one, then they will link. Properties, like the dimensions of the vacuum, uh, the weight received and sent, and other more complex factors are used to measure which portal you're linked with. In their universe, Ensor had constructed a portable emitter that could expand to the exact dimensions of their home portal. Essentially, they could tune their portal for a return trip. This would be handy in the event they popped into one of those naturally occurring portals somewhere in the dark, cold recesses of space. Along with their suits that protected them from the elements, they traveled between the dimensions, recording data and generally dicking around. They were sent through this universe's crowd portal just last week when Dr. Krauken immediately sent for us. She was eager to send us on our own journey. How about it, boys? The first thing in this universe to ever leave it and come back. Absolutely not. No fucking way. Dr. Cronkite had failed to keep in mind that Universe One's versions of your lovely hosts were either massively stupid 
or forced into this. Dr. Krauken had failed to keep in mind that your delightful co-hosts, Oz and Ed, could be dropped into the center of a sun. Or a massive planet of carnivorous boulders. Or directly in between two moving continental plates. Dr. Krakatoa had failed to keep in mind that your lovely co-hosts, Oz and Ed, were not massively stupid, had no intentions of getting into strange suits, or getting thrown between worlds for kicks. Unfortunately, Oz and Ed had failed to keep in mind that they were deep underground in the military-industrial complex of one of the few remaining pre-POC organizations composed entirely of 20% geniuses and 80% trained cannibal soldiers armed with some of the most dangerous weaponry left on the planet. So, we were outfitted for our suits quickly. And ever the optimist, Oz decided to coin our new segment. Oz and Ed, Dimension to Dimension. Are you boys ready? Hit the gas, let's do this. Oh yeah! Make ten jumps, and your return device will activate. It's an adventure, boys, the first. We're going to die. Dimensional crowd transport in ten seconds. Four, three, two, one. All right, that's okay. That wasn't so. It'll be too 